Welcome today, Sunday class. Any questions from anyone? Um, on renunciation or anything general on subject of Vedanta? No, okay. So this is a long chapter, renunciation. We've got a couple of classes, I think. Next chapter is meditation, techniques of meditation. So, what is uh, renunciation? What is renunciation? Who can say what is renunciation? Even part of it. What is renunciation? Can everyone see me and hear me okay? Great. Yeah. Megna. It's like a, adopting a higher thought without having to actually give up anything sort of physically. Yeah. Higher thought. What do you mean by higher thought? Example or... Higher thought. Higher values. You're right, higher thoughts, but just to expand a little bit, to have higher values in life. Anybody else? What happens when you have higher values? Yeah, Damish. Your lower values disappear or are less focused on? They fall away. Pratibin, what were you going to say? You see, you see the better and the higher of everything. You see, um, you don't see the negatives. You see the positives in everything. So, in other words, what you're saying is identification, identifying with the higher. Okay. Yep. You're all good. You're all right. So, renunciation. What's the ego then? What is the ego? Yeah, Damesh, ego. What's the ego? The ego is what stops us from accepting the higher because it focuses on ourself more than looking for the divine in us. So what would you be focusing on? If, you, if I say you're focusing on the ego, what would that be? You're focusing on uh, the end product, how it affects me, okay. the me. The I. The I is. You're talking. The, okay. So, what we said, remember, um, the little s means the self within you. Um, the little self is your ego. The big yeah. self is the spirit. Yeah, so the, hmm? the little self. The little self, which is made up of. What's the little self made up of? Body, mind, and intellect. 
body mentalic. Your physical personality, your emotions, your, in, your thoughts, that is your little self. Why, why um, is that considered the ego? Why is that the ego? Yeah, Damesh? It's what's attached to this world. To the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's the ego that attaches to the world. Your physical body, your mind, and your intellect, your emotions, your thoughts, they're all pertaining to the world. That's what attaches you. And the whole role of spiritual development is to detach from the world. So therefore, what should your focus be on? Not on the little self. Not on the little self, but on the big self. The spirit. If your focus is on that, then you're, then you're let, giving, it, giving the little self less emphasis. You've risen above it. That's the whole spiritual practice. But we're constantly at, um, in the world. We're constantly, our senses are going towards the world. Our emotions are going towards the world. Our thoughts are going towards the world. So this is the whole battle. Deepa. That's the whole battle. To rise above it. Does that make sense, everyone? And spiritual knowledge allows you to do that because it imparts the knowledge of the big self, God. So now you're diverting, every Sunday morning you're diverting your thoughts to the big self now. That's a little bit you're doing. So during this one and a half hours, you're not thinking of your little self. You're talking, thinking of the big self. Isn't it? You're all thinking of the big self. So we need to expand that one and a half hours to a greater period. So we're thinking more of the big self and less of the little self. Then we're spiritually developing. I'm just breaking it down. So the more we think of the big self, the less we think of the little self, the ego. The more spiritually developed we become. Because you are what your thoughts are. You're thinking of the higher self, you become spiritual. You're thinking of the lower self, you become worldly. And that's the whole spiritual exercise. Hence, the more you study this subject, the more spiritually you develop. Because you're thinking more of the big self than the little self. Whatever little time you spend on it. Does that make sense, everyone? Where are your thoughts? That's who you are. Wherever your thoughts are. So renunciation is to be practiced while you're doing your regular duties. I'm just recapping. Your obligations in life. It's an attitude to life. When you practice this, it helps us to deal with our attachments and desires in the world. As we said, the little self. The little self has attachments and desires, your body, mind, intellect. 
as you practice this, you're thinking less of the little self. Renunciation means you've risen up from something with lower values and taken some taken up something of higher values. The minute you start thinking of the self, you've taken up higher values. What's the highest value? What's the highest value? Yeah. The big self. Knowledge of the self. The highest value is knowledge of the self, which is what we're studying here. When you set the goal to self-realization, spiritually develop, nothing in the world matters. That becomes your main focus, your main goal. When you, when you gain spiritual knowledge, you start thinking of higher values. Therefore, your desires begin to reduce. Your thoughts become better quality. So, as we said in class a couple of weeks ago, as you think of your small self, your body, mind, intellect, you become worldly. You have grosser desires. Physical desires are grosser than emotional desires. Intellectual desires are, sorry, uh, physical desires are the grossest than emotional desires are more, are less gross. Intellectual desires are even less gross. And then the highest is the self. So your grosser's desires fade away. You're reading a good book. You're not thinking of your physical needs. You're just immersed in the book. Your mind is immersed. Your intellect is immersed in that book. It takes you away. You're not worried about, you forget to eat because you're so engrossed in the book. So the physical desires go away. Because more subtle equipment is used. The mind and intellect is more subtle than the gross body. Does that make sense? Aina? You're talking intellectually with your friend. The emotions, they fall away. You're too engrossed with the intellectual discussion. Time flies away. More subtle. More subtle of your equipment. So the minute you identify with the body, mind, intellect, the little self, the ego is created. Me and mine comes about. A possessive attitude. This is because of identification with the little self. So when you renounce, when you practice renunciation, everything you do, you say, it's, it's because of the self that I'm able to do this. You arrogate all your actions to the self, the spirit in you. It's because the self is what makes me act. The spirit in you is making you hear, to see, to act. So that's, that's the whole idea of renunciation. I'm not this body, mind, intellect, I'm the self. So we have this understanding that it's the self that makes me act, then you rise above the ego. You're no longer affected by worldly involvement. 
detached from worldly affairs, free from desires in the world. Renunciation is not giving up, but an understanding that this whole world and everything in it, everybody in it is the self, is the God principle. Does that make sense to you? Any questions? So, detached from I am the doer, free from the feeling of I did this, because of me this happened. I cooked this dinner. If it wasn't for me, just act for the sake of acting. Also, renunciation is the capacity in you to set the right value for all that the world offers. The right value that the world, what the world offers. To consider them passing, insignificant, no real value to your spiritual goal. While you're in possession of it, while you're enjoying it, you have that attitude. Renunciation. Any clarifications? It's a lot to take in. This is just what we discussed in the last few classes. It's a lot to take in. And it's okay if you don't get it all. It's okay. Not a problem. As long as you get an idea. Because um, as we go further in the book, it will make more sense. Shashnabin, yeah. I think your mic might be on. Thank you. So today uh, we're doing topic way to success. So how does renunciation make you successful? We've understood what and renunciation is, having higher values. It's saying that if you practice renunciation, it makes you more successful in the world. How is that possible? So this is what we're going to discuss. So who's going to, is it Meghna or Ravi? Meghna. Way to success. The spirit of renunciation is the secret of success. The lives of some of the outstanding personalities in history have demonstrated this truth. The secret of their success lay in keeping themselves above attachment, above worldly worry and anxiety. Their mind was set on a high and noble ideal beyond any trace of the selfish ego and its demands. Their energies were directed, dedicated to the lofty goal. Their power arose from that stand they took. Their mind reached above self-aggrandizing, egoistic living. That was their state of abstraction, a spirit of renunciation, wherein the world and its attractions meant nothing to them. Renunciation is the sap that flows in the tree of success. So to be successful in life, in whatever you do, it's saying work, business, family, personal goal, the practice of true renunciation is the answer. Meaning you must learn to stay above attachment and worldly worry and anxiety. It saps your energy, rise above it. How do you do that? We said by fixing our mind on a high ideal, way above our own selfish ego. This is the problem. So if you look at certain people in history, they've demonstrated this. Relatively 
someone like Mandela, he thought of his country, higher values, not himself. Martin Luther King, Gandhiji, because of Gandhiji, we, India got freedom. Did he think of himself? What can I get out of this? Maybe I'll get a little state of my own. He wasn't thinking that way. He's thinking of the country. My own opinion, Modi doing right now, what he's doing in India right now. They have all risen above their selfish ego of what can I get from this role? But how can I make a difference to my country? That's rising above your own selfish ego. Look, we're not saying that, you know, that caliber of person is very different, but we can do it relatively. So that's relative renunciation. They're thinking of something higher, which is their country. Then you have these great swamis, sages in the past. Swami Ramatita, Vivekananda, Adi Shankacharya, Swami Tapavan Maharaj, who left everything and lived in the jungle. They renounced everything. Absolute renunciation. Now, we're not saying you need to become one of these people, but we apply the same attitude in our life. This is what we're saying. While we're acting in the world, in whatever capacity, whatever action you're doing, if you're a housewife, house husband, then that's your role. Be the best. How can I serve my family the best I can without being affected? Don't worry about anything else going on. He said, she said, doesn't matter. Rise above it. Let your conscience be clear. That's something you can still you can do now. That's renunciation, Megna. I'm not saying you should just not speak anything if something's going wrong. If work, you're professional working, do your job to the best of your ability. Rise above being affected by anything negative going on. But you need to speak out if there's injustice going on. There's a difference. There's injustice, that's different. Otherwise, little things happen, you know. People act based on their vastness, their personality. Rise above it. You need to say something, say it, but don't be affected inside. For your own benefit, by the way. No one else's. So if you act in this way while you're in the world, you'll be successful in whatever you do. And even if you're not successful, at least you'll be happy doing whatever you do. You won't be agitated. Rise above the little self. Does that make sense, everyone? Is there any clarifications? Why, how can practicing that make you successful? Any idea how can, how can that make you successful? Remember action, we talked about action. Do it. Uh, you focus your energy on the true goal and you're not wasting time on the petty little Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, you're not wasting your time worried about 
your personal involvement, you're rising above it. You're just putting your focus on the action. Now, if you're giving 100% to the action, you're going to be successful relatively to your capacity, isn't it? But if you're giving only 50%, you can only be 50% successful. Satish, make sense? 100% concentration when you're teaching, driving instructor, they will pass first time. <laughs> Thank you, Megma, number two. Vedanta provides you with the knowledge to live that exalted life. Renunciation is synonymous with the knowledge of self. Knowledge and renunciation are two sides of a coin. The rishis, great sages of the past, retired to the forest to contemplate, discover the fundamental truths of life. Just as scientists isolate themselves in the laboratory to discover the laws governing the world. The truths of life that the sages unearthed constitute the knowledge meant for the people to apply in their day-to-day -day living. In the same manner as the scientific laws found in the laboratory are applicable to the outside world. Vedanta, therefore, is not designed for resignation or retirement, yet people wrongly believe it to be so and have unwisely alienated it from modern society, especially the youth. Sadly, the youth have been brainwashed to believe that Vedantic knowledge promotes renunciation, meant for superannuates who are done with life or for idle recluses. So the knowledge of Vedanta helps us to live a life of renunciation. So this knowledge gives us, uh, instructs us how to live this life by giving us the knowledge of the self, our true being, our true nature. This is who we are. So it's explaining about how this knowledge was discovered. How was this knowledge discovered? Any ideas? How was this knowledge discovered? Ravi, any ideas? How was this knowledge discovered? By um, the sages um, taking their Going, going away, contemplating and thinking without attachment to the world, just concentrating on that. On what? Concentrating on what? On, on the self, on the meaning of life, effectively. So. Yeah, perfect. So the knowledge was discovered by the sages a long time ago. They retired to the Himalayas or some rural area and contemplated, reflected, meaning they went within, meditated inside. What's going on inside? and discovered the laws of a, how a human being functions. The truths of life, the purpose, goal of being a human being. Now you have to understand, this is a philosophy, yeah? A philosophy of how to live life. This is what this is. So just as scientists shut themselves in labs to discover how the world functions, basically everything external, what is the speed of light, gravity, weather, space? Right now, scientists are working on drugs to cure COVID. Everything is in the world, external. But the sages, they went internal to see how the human being functions. Because as we said, the world can develop 
tremendously, and he has in the last 50 years. But who's developing the human being? Who's contacting the world? Who's helping us to develop this mental? Uh, now, at the moment, we've got all problems with mental health. You know, lots of issues going on. We don't know how we function. When we contact the world, what's the right contact? So this is what the sages did. They discovered what makes us tick. So then when they discovered this truth of life, this knowledge, they gave, it, they gave it out to the human beings to live by every day, make it part of their life. So is it meant for retirement, Meghna? Is this knowledge meant for retirement? That's what the youth believe, unfortunately. You go to a satsang, majority of people are over 50 and 60. Most of them are retired. It's too late for them, this knowledge. They already lived part of their life. <laughs> you need this knowledge when you're young, before you make important decisions life. Can everyone turn their mics off, please? You need this knowledge when you're young, before you make important decisions. Which subject should I study? Shall I get married or not? If yes, which, who shall I marry? Which job shall I take? How many kids shall I have? How much money shall I earn? Which religion shall I follow? How do I find peace and happiness? What is my purpose in life? These questions you need to know the answer to when you're young. So you can map your life and live it properly. Over 50, 60 is a bit late. You've already made all your mistakes and lived your life. You ask a young person to come to this study class, the Gita, they will say, when I retire, I'll take it up. Right now I'm busy. They have the wrong impression that this subject this practice of renunciation is when you are retired. Who's, who's still young here? Drew, does that make sense? You still got to make decisions in life. Magna, does it make sense? <laughs> you need this knowledge now before you make mistakes. That's why we're here. Huh? That's why we're here. Good. <laughs> In, in the ashram, actually, in Swamiji, in the ashram, they have a rule. They don't take anyone over 30. Only 17 to 30 is the age limit. He goes, it's too late. What's the point over 30? You've already lived your life, half your life. Too late to make changes. So it's all youngsters there, getting them prepared for life, the challenges of life armed with this knowledge. So, you know, you're gonna ask, well, how, to, how, how did I get in? Well, it's just a fluke, trust me. I had no, I had no intentions of, of going in there, but one cup of coffee got me into a lot of trouble, let's put it that way. 
That's a story for another day. Thank you, Megna. Any questions? So all your elders here, your kids should be here, not you, taking up this class. Shalabin. <laughs> Please, Megna. Pronunciation has nothing to do with place, position, or profession. It flows from knowledge which refines you, places you on vantage ground, puts you right on top, renders you peaceful and blissful, free from anguish and anxiety. Few realize the grandeur and power of renunciation. Through renunciation, you gain everything. Its spirit leads your actions to success, also supports your enjoyment of the world. So what they're saying is, as we just discussed, living life is an art, a skill, just like you learn how to play an instrument or learn how to swim. And the manual of living life is this Vedantic knowledge. This knowledge transforms you from within. You become more peaceful, free from anxiety, able to perform the right actions in life. And then the result is you find success in the world, peace and contentment. You enjoy everything the world has to offer. See, society is unaware of the power of this knowledge. In fact, they say that it's that this knowledge is a secret. They say this knowledge is a secret. Any idea what they mean by that? This knowledge is a secret. It doesn't mean what you think it means. This knowledge is a yeah, deeper. Means not many people know about it. Not many people know about it. Yes, half there, halfway, half your one one part is right. Yes. This knowledge is a secret. Yeah, Kevin. Is it? It will only be understood by people who have surrendered who are, or who are willing to accept it. Yes, you're on the right ballpark. Basically, this knowledge is a secret, meaning not many people know about it, first of all, as Deepa said. And people who, who do come across it, they're not ready to take it. They're not ready for it. So they bypass it. So it's a secret, meaning only those who are ready We'll see the value in it. We'll take it up. Which is quite rare, if I'm totally honest with you, percentage-wise, very rare. You need some little bit of intellect to be able to, when you come across this knowledge, to understand what it is. If you don't have an intellect at all, you will just go past this knowledge. What is this you're studying? Wasting your time. There's some guy talking all the time and you're listening. What is this nonsense? They will say. Because they don't identify with it. I'm not, what he's saying is nice. I really like it, but I don't really understand what he's saying. But the way he talks is really nice. I've had people say that. The way he talks is really nice, but... What he's talking about, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> Secret. 
society is unaware of the power of this knowledge. They're not ready to accept, they're not ready for it. Any clarifications? So once you come across it and you have some value for it, hold on to it. Don't let it go. The sages say, hold on to it. Persevere. Put some effort into understanding it. It'll change your life. Next paragraph. There is a stern law of life concerning attachment. Attach you lose, detach you gain. None seems to be aware of it, much less follows it. It means that if you cling on to any material form, selfishly attached to a person or object, you shall go through suffering and sorrow. Either something terrible happens to that relationship or you lose the object of your desire. Whereas when you live a life of mental detachment in a state of renunciation, you will find objects and beings reaching you. Swami Ramadutta has proclaimed this truth to the world. The way to gain anything is to lose it. It is an inexorable law of life. Observe it in your surroundings. Learn it from your experience. Realize this truth from personal knowledge. So the law of life is if you become attached to a person or an object, you will go through suffering and sorrow. Any idea why is that? Ooh. Yeah, Megna, Because when anything happens to it, if you lose it, then you are affected by that as well as what happens to you. Yeah. Damesh? Your ego is attached to it. Your ego is attached to it. And hence, it, the pain you feel, you, you're linked to the success and loss of it. So any object or being, you know, we get attached to people. They let us down. Who suffers? We do. So don't be attached, he's saying. Rise above your attachment. Doesn't mean that you don't cater to that person. Child, person gets, parent get um, attached to a child. Child gets smothered. Can't wait to leave home. Too much strong attachment from the mother, from the father. Your attachment. You let them free. Let them do whatever they want. Detach yourself mentally. If you live a life of mental detachment, objects and beings come to you. It's like we're living, we're living on their backs all the time. They don't like it. Even your partner, you can't be all the time, love you, darling, love you, darling. They go, what's going on here? Please leave me alone. Give me some freedom, peace. 
attachment. Keep your distance from everyone. Even you get attached to objects, your car. You hear a noise in the night, oh, someone nicking my car. Attachment. No, it, it takes away your mental peace. This is what they're saying. The more you get involved, you get with relationships, with work, the less successful you will become. Mental attachment we're talking about. Action is your duty. You have to perform actions, but don't worry about the fruit. Swami Ramakrita says, the way to gain anything is to lose it, meaning rise above it, mentally detach. It'll come to you. It's, this particular concept is hard to understand, but you will understand it more as we go along in this book. Right now, just accept it as it is. The way to gain anything is to lose it. It took me a long time to understand that concept. The way to gain anything is to lose it. How can that be? It doesn't make sense. The way to gain anything is to lose it. Damish. What we've got to remember is everything's temporary. Our existence is temporary. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the hardest part for most people because we assume that we're the oh, forever living soul. And I think that's the hardest part is to understand that, you know, tomorrow I could be here, tomorrow someone else will not be here. Hmm. True. Absolute, from an absolute perspective, you're right. But from a normal perspective, family, wealth, material things. How can you gain something when you lose it? It sounds the opposite. So next paragraph, it gives you an example. See if we can understand this example of nature. Ravi? Renunciation paves the way to prosperity and peace in life. The more you renounce, the more peaceful you are. The more the world counts, courts you. Leave the world alone, you gain it. You run after it, you lose it. The phenomenon of color illustrates this truth. Physics explains the principle underlying perception of color. Light consists of seven vibratory colors. You see an object only when it is bathed in light. By the light it reflects. A rose appears red because it reflects red color only. It absorbs the other six colors and rejects red. Strange as it may sound, the rose is red because it gives away red. Thus, an object appears in the color that it relinquished. There is a story depicting this striking truth of life. Who can explain that? Physics, who's a physics teacher here? Anybody? How does nature, flowers, they give out the color that they reject. Carol, any ideas? I, I'm no good at explaining, that's why I'm asking someone to uh, Hands up. <laughs> I was crap at physics. Any ideas? So seven light, seven colors. Who's, who's put their hands up? Hmm? 
No, it's not. Amara, I think this might be one for you, no? Is Rishi there? God explain. Uh, each, each object has a spectrum of color and the eye receptor only receives that spectrum and um, removes any other spectrum in your eyes. That is what, uh, how you are able to differentiate. Okay. Yeah. Now, what about the the color it gives out is because it absorbs the rest of the colors. Is, is that right? Is that how it works? Yeah. So yeah. that's what it's saying. Basically, the color that it's giving out is the predominant color. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's the majority. Okay. That's what your eye will receive. In real life, it's actually not there. Your eye that perceives it to be red or whatever the color of the flower it is. Gotcha. Okay. I'm not going to say any questions because I don't know how to answer. So, any questions? Point it to Amo, yeah? <laughs> so, the more you renounce, the more peaceful you are. It says, We must learn this truth and apply it to our life. Flower is the color that it gives away, the rest of the color is absorbed. Now, there's another story which we're going to talk about now, which makes it more re uh, easy to understand and identify. Any questions before we talk, talk about this story? So, there was this kingdom, and there's a king. And this king one day had a thought. I want to meet a sannyasi. I want to meet a man of renunciation. Someone who's renounced everything in life. I want to meet this person. I've heard of him, but I want to meet a person like this. So he called his chief minister in and said, I want to meet this sort of person. Can you find one? The minister said, yeah, no problem. There's loads of chaps in our village, our town who are renunciates, sannyasis, I'll get one of them. You can meet him. He said, okay. King waited for a few weeks. And then he called the minister again. He said, I told you I want to meet a sannyasi, a renunciate. You said there's many people in the kingdom. You haven't bought anyone. Ah, oh, sorry, sorry, I got busy. I'll give you a week to get someone here now. And I want to meet this person. Minister said, okay, fine, I'll find it. So now the minister thought, you know what, I better sort this out. So he goes into his kingdom and looks for a sannyasi, renunciate. But he couldn't find anyone. He couldn't, he looked everywhere, he couldn't find anyone. So he devised a clever plan. There's a young guy, actor, local drama school said, look, I've got a proposition for you. I want you to act like a sannyasi. And if you do this, just an act for a couple of hours, I will give you 500 pounds. The actor says, yes, of course, I'll do it, no problem. So they buy an orange robe, they mat his hair, Get some chandla for him, a big mara around his neck. 
and he says, right, come, let's go. All the spiritual accessories, let's go. So he takes him to the grounds of the palace and there's a big tree. Because you sit here, act as if you're a renunciate, sannyasi, and I'll go and get the king. So he went to the king. King, you asked me to bring a sannyasi, I brought one over. Come, meet him. So the king gets, calls his queen as well and his other entourage and says, come on, let's meet the sannyasi. So they go to the grounds and there is this man sitting under the tree, like in meditation. The king saw this person just sitting there meditating. He was so inspired, he prostrated, the queen prostrated, his entourage. The king looked at the minister who was standing up and said, hey, what are you doing? Even the minister had to prostrate to this sannyasi, fake sannyasi. Then he said, Maharaj, thank you for coming here. I wanted to meet you. Please let me offer this. He offers a tray of clothes, best quality, Prada. And he says, no, I don't want it. He says, okay, he doesn't need any clothes. He gets a tray of money. Please accept this money. I don't need it. Best of foods, take it away. I live on arms. Sannyasi wouldn't accept anything. King was well impressed. He said, Maharaj, you can stay here as long as you want. If you need anything, let me know. And he goes back. Then the minister comes back to this fake sannyasi and says, you did a really good job. Here's your 500 pounds. You can stop acting now. So this sannyasi says, look, come here, sit down. I just played a role of a renunciate, a sannyasi, just by putting the robe. I had the king and queen prostrate to me. You prostrated to me. I was offered money, more money than I've ever seen in my life. Best clothes. Says, I only faked it. Imagine if I really became a renunciate. Take your money. And that's it. He practiced being a renunciate for the rest of his life. He saw the power of it. If I just faked it and all this happened, imagine if I did it for real. That's the thought that came into his mind. Ravi, can you... Read the last three paragraphs, please. The same, the story again? Yeah. The king of a state was anxious to meet a sannyasi, a recluse who has renounced everything in life. He inquired for, of his minister if he could find one such person. The minister took the king's wish lightly and averred that there were many around. The king waited for a while. There was no response. One day he summoned the minister and gave him a week's time to fulfill his wish. The minister then realized that the king was serious. He tried hard to find one, but his attempts were all in vain. In utter desperation, he devised a clever plan. He chose a young man to put on an act 
of a sannyasi in return for a large sum of money. The man readily yielded to his request. He was dressed in okra robe with other spiritual accessories to adorn his face, faked really religiosity. Religiosity. I'll skip that one. He was asked to sit under a tree in a secluded place. The stage was set. The minister announced that he had located the sannyasi. The king and his retinue was brought to the scene. The king was inspired at the sight of the famed sannyasi. He prostrated at his feet. So did the queen. The king looked inquiringly at the minister. He had to prostrate too. The king offered trays of money, clothing and food. The sannyasi would not accept any of them. The king was amazed at his spirit of renunciation. Irreverently took leave of the holy man and returned to the palace with his retinue. The minister rushed back to the scene. He commended the young man on his great performance and offered him the promised payment. The sannyasi refused to accept it. The minister was confused. He told him that the play was over and bade him to accept the money. The young man gestured to the minister to sit down and spoke these words of wisdom. Dear sir, did you not witness the beauty and grandeur of life in our episode? Have you not learnt a great lesson today? Do you realise I feigned an act of renunciation for a short while? The king, the queen and the entire retinue were all at my feet. Just an act of abstract, abstraction. A show of renunciation soured so much wealth and reverence upon me. What then would be the power of true renunciation? Realize that, sir, and take your money back. So that explains the power of renunciation. Any questions? I think the young man gained more out of it than anyone else because he actually found a path. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that gives you success. Renunciation brings you success. The next topic is renunciation is bliss, meaning how it can create happiness. But we're going to take that up next week. So we're open to any general questions, any general discussion, if anybody has. I want to take this uh, chapter in small chunks because it's too heavy otherwise to absorb it. Yeah, true. Uh, I'm still slightly confused with that. The way to gain it is to lose it. Um, I get how being attached can cause suffering, but I'm a bit confused at how that line makes sense. Yeah, uh, as I said, it, it does take a little bit of thinking, um, that particular. It took, uh, it's a hard concept to understand. Um, let me have a little think about that concept 
and see how I can explain it in a in an easier way. Yeah, rather than just jump into it. Is that okay? Then I'll explain to you what it means next week. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks. Yeah. Great. Yeah, uh, Sittle would like to. Uh... Um, hang on, hang on. Um, so one of the things that I was thinking about maybe with in relation to that scenario, because it's something that I find quite challenging as well, I was thinking, how would I kind of think about it in real terms of, I suppose, everyday life? And if we're thinking about what we carry with us, um, our attachments, for example, to our family members, our attachments to wanting to always, I suppose, be relatively successful in life, um, whether it's within our career or, you know, relationship, but that success of wanting to be, um, I suppose, good or better. We carry a lot and it's like a ball and chain, isn't it, around us. We're constantly got this ball and chain around us. And as we get older, we add to this pressure of other things, children, house, you know, bigger car, whatever. And in one sense, if, if I'm thinking about the pressure that that causes us to constantly carry with us, whereas if we think about letting go of that great attachment that we have, so it doesn't mean that we give up our family, but we give up that I suppose that clinginess that we always feel that if anything should happen to something in, in my home, to my car, to my family, I would be devastated. And it's not that I wouldn't be devastated initially, but for how long? And I suppose to me, that analogy of thinking that ball and chain that I'm constantly carrying with me, if I was to relinquish that ball and chain and lose that clinginess, that might, I don't know if that. No, it makes sense. It's it, she's on. Uh, the, what she's saying is absolutely right. But I'm, I'll see if I can find some other simpler examples. Is it that you gain the like, like you say, the fruit of the thing because you're not concentrating on the suffering of it or the attachment? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I've got 10 volumes of Ramatita. I'm sure I'll find the answer by next Sunday. <laughs> no, uh, I, I just need to look at my notes to give you some better examples. Yeah, some simpler examples so that you can understand it more better. But it is a concept that needs thinking. Yeah. Any other general questions, clarifications? on any part of Vedanta. Shashnabin? Um, you were saying all this knowledge is like, we've done most of it and so we're over 50 and the, you know, it's not as... Sorry, I, I can't hear you very well, Shashnabin. You know, you were saying um, that this knowledge for older people isn't as relevant as it is for younger people. So I think I heard, I heard what you said. It's more relevant to younger people because it's knowledge on how to live life. 
for the older people, yes, it's still valuable. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, because it, you know, it's the, it's it's how they say it, that if you had it when you were younger, your life would become more better. More, you would be, make less mistakes. You'd be more successful. You'd be more happy, etc. When you take it later on, then you've only got X amount of years left to. And a lot of the and the biggest problem is that a lot of our traits are already set from young, and it takes ages to change that. Yeah, it takes ages to undo that. And the reason they don't accept a lot of people in the ashram after thirty is because it takes three years for them to undo what they've already learnt. Does that make sense? So we have to undo that, and then. They have to put fresh knowledge in. Well, when they're younger, they're open to fresh knowledge. But of course, this knowledge is um, valuable to anyone at any time of their life. But it's more useful when you're younger. Is that yeah. is that what you're asking, Joshamin? No, just clarifying. Um, because we haven't come across this um, before, whereas now Richie and Sharon Chan, they, they can now benefit from it. But what we gain from it, even at this age, we can impart it onto them as well. Just bring the laptop closer because you keep breaking up. I'm saying if whatever we learn, we can help our children learn those things as well, even though they may come across it now and we haven't. So it's also our experience we're trying to convey to them as well. So we're not we're not saying elder, elder people can't have this knowledge. We're not saying that. It's just no, saying no, no, that. I understand that. <laughs> Because we're benefiting from it as well. We're saying, yes, absolutely. You know, you're never too late to learn. But a younger person, before he makes a mistake of marrying because his parents said, get married, and he has no desire to get married, he can say, no, I don't want to get married. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Because he's gained this knowledge. (laughs) I have no desire for marriage. Yeah? Otherwise, without this knowledge, he'll just follow his parents and get married, even though he hasn't got a desire for it. So this knowledge gives him the ammunition to live his life, you know, the conviction to live his life based on, you know, his own desires and vasanas and his own goals. This is what we're saying. So it's more useful to them if they accept it when they're young. But of course, it's knowledge on how to live life. We're all living still life. Even at 90, we're still living life. It's never too late. Sorry, Ravi, you had some questions? I was just going to say, I mean, for me to get my head around renunciation, um, I think it's not forgetting all the other elements to it. I do what you ought to do. You have, you got to fulfill your obligation. So, you, you don't get affected by what's out there, material things, relationships, and so forth, but you still go about fulfilling your obligation, you're fulfilling your rights, and obviously you still got certain vasanas that you've got to relinquish anyway. So I, I found that, you know, using the term, you know, relinquish is more about you putting yourself in control of how you accept and receive, you know, of other people's action or material stuff, as long as you're aware of what you have to do as a parent, a husband, or a child, or whatever, you fulfill those obligations. 
and how you don't get affected and you're able to stand back and make judgments. Mm. More clarity to life, more clarity to your own actions, other people's actions, better understanding. This is what it gives you. And it's because we don't have this clarity that we make mistakes. Thank you. Any other additions, clarifications, questions? About 10, 15 minutes. Is there any topic that anybody would like to discuss? Zaruna been there. She was asked, um, is she hiding? <laughs> no, she, ne she never hides. Zaruna <laughs> <laughs> Ben, you uh, texted me in the weekdays about. Um, so, Zaruna Ben asked me um, certain quotes, certain bits of knowledge that helps her deal with everyday life, you know. And um, she was asking that it would be nice to share if other people what they took out from coming to classes here, any bits of uh, knowledge or any quotes or, you know, um, that um, you could share with the class so that other people can learn from it. I'm not, I'm not sure if I explained it correctly. Could you maybe? But that's, that's quite correct because I think uh, with every class that finishes, you have lots of questions I go away with. And I just thought it, it, it's almost like compiling, a, like a, not a dictionary, but something where you can go to in your times of um, reflection or thinking about a situation that you come across and you say, well, how would I deal with it? And there may be things that we could kind of put together and I was going to put it together for myself. And that's why I sent you some of those quotes that I'm kind of taking away. It's almost like saying, you know, like those affirmations in a having source, so that you keep going back to those that will add not only value to your life, but also help you to get through some, you know, kind of difficult situations. I mean, you've talked about um, work situations today, and I thought that was quite relevant um, today. It really was very good. And I was saying to James, it's really good you said that. So like that, lots of people like, you know, I only joined in March um, and uh, some of these people on the group have come for longer. And so are there things that they finding that they use uh, all the time? And so, so I was just wanting to just gain um, knowledge and experience from other people's experience from these classes. And I was wanting if anybody to know if anybody would like to share that in our, either by text in the group or through speaking in these sessions. And I think that we also mentioned this this morning about how you have to do your duty, but also thinking about not becoming too attached, all of those things. And I think just by having those extra discussions help us to, then it's not just knowledge on paper, but it's also adding value to our life. And how do we do that? Thank you. So it's basically like a support group for everyone. If everyone can share what they get out of if anything at all from these classes, then other people may have not thought of those things, you see. And you can put that experience, share that experience, um, and then other people can learn from it. You know, everyone everyone behaves based on their nature. A lot of people didn't know that until they joined this class and studied this subject. That gives you a better understanding of people. Now, you may have come across a situation where that helps you to deal with the situation. 
So what Anna Ben said, if we share, then we can all learn from that, which I think is a very good idea. So we can do it in a few ways. Maybe next week people can think about it and we can spend 10, 15 minutes. Uh, yeah. She's so saying Vedanta thought of the day. Um, so we can. <laughs> so and maybe we can share, or if, even if someone's shy, they can uh, put it on the group. Mm. Just put the um, quote on the group that you that inspired you. You know, I don't know. I'm open to suggestions. It's for your own benefit as a group. You know. I think the other thing that helped me, I just want to share it, is that I, I rang... Uh, Couple of people this week to from our group to say how how you find not not how you finding it but I, I can see that you so definitely everybody's enjoying them but what are you taking away how are you applying it for me it's always the application how do we apply this knowledge to our daily lives uh, in every aspect are and it's all, all very well to say we should rise above it become non attached but you know um, just I'll give you an example just the fact that you know my children can't spend Diwali with me this week in two weeks' time. And I was feeling a bit sad about that yesterday. And I thought, and today we're talking about not being not being attached, you know, and you have to be non-attached and think about other ways how we can still share the same uh, experience of, of attachment, how we how we spread love and happiness at, at, at this occasion. You can do that throughout, you know, and how do we apply that, you know, and remembering all these snippets of um, you know, gold that we're taking away from these classes. Mm. And, and that's what it's about. It's all about application. You can mm. have all the knowledge and it doesn't change you at all. You can debate, you can discuss it, but you're the same person. You know what they say, he came, he, he came in through that door he, he, he took he spent a couple of hours learning and he left the same door, meaning it didn't make any difference. It's knowledge. You know, it has to change you. You have to apply it. It has to change the way you think. Then it then it's working. You know. So anyway, I'm I'm open to a suggestion. It's that it's up to the group if they, how they want to share it. They can either, like I said, put it on the um you should put it. I can either put it on the Sunday group, or um, or, or next week we can spend 10-15 minutes discussing it. Actually, that'd be better. Get everyone involved a little bit. Other people do some talking just rather than just me. So we'll spend the last 15-20 minutes. Maybe everyone can say how learning the subject has helped them in any way. Shilabin. Hi, this, uh, the flower the description uh, made me think today. Yeah. And we always say what we see in the mirror, that's what's the reflection of us. But we see everything else in the mirror, but we don't see what's inside us. That, uh, to me, was thought-provoking today. Mm -hmm. That, uh, yeah, we just see this image of uh, our body and everything else. And we, we're all looking for something, but we're not dwelling within us to see that. You know, that's the main thing that we are missing out. The eye doesn't see that. Yeah, absolutely. But with this knowledge, you're able to see within. 
Yeah. Not only within yourself, but within others as well. And then another thing that's also like, this is autumn, you know, uh, we have to lose it to gain it. And it's the tree standing there, it's losing its leaves. But he knows that he's going to get a new batch of leaves. And yeah. he's so happy to shed it. So I think with that, we should also feel that, yes, if something you wanted, you don't get. But that means you're going to get something better. Yeah, absolutely. So That's positive. Detach. Let it go. It's passing. Fleeting. Then something new cannot come into your life unless you let the old go. So leave it. Detach from it. To gain anything is to lose it. Detach from what you have now. Make space for something new to come in. And then I came across this... Uh this gentleman, and he said that he, his last, in his last chapter or his last line, he said, we all, you know, we, we look at the calendar and we look at the dates and he says, there's no calendars, there's no dates. You get up in the morning, it's that day you concentrate on. So concentrate on that day of what you do and the best you do on that day. That's what we said, keep the mind focused on the present. Yes. Not on the past, it's gone, and the future's not here yet. Concentrate on today. That's exactly what you have been saying. So if you need to do something and you have that high urge that I need to do this, don't procrastinate over it. Right? I have that, this, this opportunity today. I can fit it in my schedule. Just do it. Good. Thank you for sharing. Anybody else? True. Uh, I think probably the biggest thing I've taken away from it since I've started, I guess, is on a daily basis, you have so many interactions with people, which before might have caused me agitations because I think the whole vastness, seeing each other, um, we're all different and we all see the world differently in some way. Um, so recognizing that people are the, who they are because of their environment and what's happened throughout their lifetime. And then when you have, when they have different views or something that conflicts with you, just recognizing that at all times just makes you a bit more peaceful, I guess, recognizing that. Recognizing that brings you a lot of peace because otherwise everyone agitates you. That's a huge step for your own well-being. That's a huge step for your own well-being to understand that. It's not the world that bothers you, it's yourself. Therefore, you need to understand how the world functions, how people function, so then you're not affected by it. So only You can only change yourself, you can't change the world. Those people that Drew may be interacting with are still behaving the same way, but he's learned not to be affected by it. Who's benefiting? He is. From knowledge, from understanding. Yeah. But that's a very practical way of changing your attitude to life for your own betterment. Thank you, Drew, for sharing that. Yeah. Anybody else? We've got five more minutes. See, so we're sharing this, other people learn from it. Somebody may have not thought of that. Carol, anything to share? Don't be shy. 
No, still thinking about it, actually, just trying to process it. Yeah. Good. No, no, I'm not putting anyone on the... <laughs> Maybe next week. <laughs> yeah, think about it, you know, contemplate, think about it. Great. Thank you very much. Ravi, you had something to say? I, I was just going to say knowledge itself, as in the focus is if you increase your knowledge, you overcome obstacles or things you don't understand. And I found it quite... Um, I used to shy away from things I don't understand or, you know, um, work-wise and, you know, move away or try and pass it on to someone else. But this journey has allowed me to take a step back and actually go and find the answer. I'm, I'm more willing to now increase my knowledge to understand the subject matter. And when it comes to sales, I think, um, and managing sales and cycles, what I found was not to focus on the end goal and just spend that time you know, physically, mentally within that um, action and automatically the goal is achieved because you're focused there and you're doing what you ought to do. And I found that helped me reach my targets a lot more effectively, to be honest. Thank you. So you're more confident in what you're doing yeah, then? We'll say so. Yeah. Because you know it's just an illusion, isn't it? <laughs> You'll be more focused if you come to that level. No, that's really good. Thank you, Ravi, for sharing that. Anybody else? Ipa? You've got a Vedanta family. Husband, wife, daughter, everyone, a Vedantian. Must have harmony in your home. <laughs> no, it does say, it um, if a, pet, a cup, if a husband and wife practice this, there's harmony, peace and harmony in the relationship. Meaning you have less agitations with each other. You're able to deal with any issues through understanding. That's what happens. Uh, Aniket Patel, you just mentioned home. And this thing, I, uh, I just read it now. Your home should be the center, not the boundary of your affection. That's it. So I think my the vibe I sent you the vibration and it bounced back to me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Right. Great. Thank you everyone for joining us today. And um, I'll see some of you on Wednesday and uh, rest of you on Sunday. <laughs>